0: Hello, my name is Mallory Jenna Robinson. Join me on A Hateful Homicide, a true crime podcast dedicated to telling the stories regarding the murders of transgender, gender non-binary, and gender diverse community members in the United States and abroad. This is A Hateful Homicide. 911,
1: what's your emergency? Yeah. transgender woman has been shot and killed in North Baltimore, Alpha.
2: In the US, trans women of color have a
1: life expectancy of just 35 years.
3: This happens on a daily. Another one of my friends got killed right up the street from here.
0: It- These cases are true. The victims are real. And their voices matter. This is a hateful homicide. The Murder of Nina Circatoskaya. Call me Dr. Dummer. Wednesday, April 10th, 2019, Kursk, Russia warning the following episode you're about to listen to you may contain audio evidence of mishintering listening discretion is advised.
4: меня зовут ксения я трансляторная женщина жив в россии сейчас на данный момент в питере уже почти год Да, действительно в россии в этом плане пока очень тяжело я не знаю как в глубинке Но даже в некоторых больших городах э, это не очень приветствуется. И в основном трансгендерные люди вынуждены э, скрываться, прятаться. и Кьюрпоинт – э, очень классная организация. Честно говоря, я за ней тоже очень давно следила через э, интернет. И когда я была в Москве, я поняла, что для моего дальнейшего, так скажем, развития э, – своего образа и э, вообще своей жизни что эта организация очень сильно сможет мне помочь э, в продвижении себя и но Кирпоинт дал мне первую услугу которую я у них купила это было обучение макияжу. то есть учиться наносить э, макияж краситься и все остальное там скрывать какие-то недостатки она uh, именно вот как раз Скверпоин придал мне эту уверенность в себе. И... Ой, насколько я знаю, в России, по-моему, это единственная студия, которая занимается uh, гендерными перевоплощениями и работает uh, трансгендерными людьми, как я или как вообще трансгендеров не очень приветствую. И чревато всякими последствиями, нехорошими. Поэтому. Насколько я знаю, познакомившись даже в интернете, что некоторые трансгендеры просто вынуждены сидеть дома на шее у родителей, потому что устроиться на работу они не могут, и выхода из положения они просто не видят. Жалко, конечно, но когда в этом плане Россия все-таки начнет как-то помогать трансгендерам людям,
0: It's Wednesday, April 10th, 2019, in the city of Kursk, Russia. It would be the home where 25-year-old trans-eastern European female Nina Sargotovskaya resided and when she went missing, her mother, Irina, reported her daughter missing the following day, stating that the last time she had seen or spoken to her daughter, she was with her partner, 27-year-old cisgendered trans-Eastern European males, Dr. Mikhail Turganov Welcome, my audience. Thank you all so much for tuning in to season four, episode six of A Hateful Hateful Homicide. And this episode is called Me, Dr. Dahmer. This case really garnered a lot of attention around Nina's horrible and hateful homicide that occurred that Wednesday night. She was with her partner, a doctor. Uh, He had met her six months prior and the two seem to connect what you could hear in the initial audio evidence was from pink news it was actually an interview with nina back in the summer of 2018 just nine months before her hateful homicide and just um and, and prior to this it was three months before she had actually met dr mikhail Toganov. She talked about in this, what you could hear was her hopes and dreams for her future at that time, at the age of 24. And she talked about this idea of being able to be herself and have a better life. Um, Nina talked about the hardships that uh, plagued the Russian community as a whole, but then also those of trans identities. You could hear her emotional plea for help and support and she's not the only one my audience. As we go through today's case, we're gonna hear from Z, um, another incredible trans woman who, you know, talks about her own experience is um, over there in Eastern Europe, specifically Russia, and then also her experience in the Ukraine. We're also gonna hear from an incredible, incredible, um, little clip from um, RuPaul's Drag Race, where the incredible performer, Peppermint, discusses her time in Russia and the phobia that was over there. And then we'll also hear from Raven Noah, her incredible commentary as usual. We also was able to get an interview with an ex-boyfriend of Nina's by the name of Jonathan Henley. And he was an American cisgender male and he had lived over in Russia. And so he's a little bit more like vague in his answers but you can hear just a little brief snippet of an interview that we were able to get with him um, a couple of weeks ago. And so I'm finally able to get that and able to now share this episode with you. So without further ado, we'll get into this case and again, discuss the hateful homicide of Nina Sarkotyskia. It all began around Wednesday night, April 10th of 2019. 25 year old Nina Sarkotyskia, a cosmetologist and aspiring lawyer was dating she was in the midst of her love story, like so many of us, and her and her partner, 27-year-old Dr. Mikhail Toganov, had went out for a night of drinking and dancing. She had just um, received her cosmetology license, and so they were celebrating that Wednesday night. The two had went back to her flat in Kursk, Russia, an area that is north of... Uh, not too far from Moscow, but like the northern eastern portion. It's a little bit more rural, but they do have a, you know, somewhat of a bustling nightlife. And so Nina and Mikael decided to go out to celebrate her recent um, degree and certificate in cosmetology. What should have been an ordinary night for the pair turned into a night of bloodshed and turned into a house of horrors. They go back to Nina's home And what happens is, is that they have some more drinks, a nightcap, and begin to engage in sexual activity. According to her partner, as they were engaging in intercourse... Nina, who at this point was also a post-operative, meaning that she had undergone gender-affirming surgery, and we had heard a similar case with, with, remember, in our season three, episode one with Diane Delia she too was a post-operative trans woman so Nina in this case also identified as a post-operative trans woman and they were in the middle of having intercourse when um, I guess him being a doctor was able to decipher now again the two had been together for six months and according to him this was the first time that they were about to be passionate so once he discovered this he reacted in a way that even shook the detectives. But before all of that, before all of that was even revealed, first we have to go back to what happened when Nina first disappeared. Why all of this is happening? Nina's mother, Irina Sergateskia, becomes concerned about the fact that her daughter, um, who she talks to very frequently. All of a sudden, abruptly around 11 p.m. on that Wednesday night, April 10th of 2019, stopped communicating. Initially, when she went to go report her daughter missing on that Thursday, April 11th of 2019, Detective Nikolai Trevesky was on the scene and he took Irina's statement and one of the things that he was concerned about was the fact that it wasn't you know just several hours or it was just excuse me um a few hours after Irina was unable to get a hold of her daughter so he wasn't initially concerned he felt that it should be at least 24 hours however Nina's mother stated that because she had just recently um, received her certificate of completion in cosmetology um, and the fact that she was supposed to celebrate with her daughter the following day, that they were still um, making plans. And so they were in the middle of making plans when she just abruptly stopped texting her mother back, which was unlike her, Arena stated. And so this calls for her to then reach out to Nina's partner, Dr. Mikhail Tolganov, and he stated that he um, and Nina had come back home from a night of celebrating um, her recent great news and when he woke up that he had not seen Nina and he doesn't know where she went um, that he then left her flat and returned to his own residence so when she went and of course was discussing this with Detective Nikolai Trevesky he was taking all of this down and of course he knew that the first place to start would be her partner since that's who she was staying with and that was the last person that she was just in communication with he goes there to Dr. Mikhail Togonov's home and decides to do and just a kind of sit down, not official interrogation with him. Dr. Mikhail Togonov mentioned that he was getting ready to go to the hospital, the general hospital and um, and perform a surgery so he didn't have much time to, to speak with Detective Trevesky. Um, Detective Trevesky asks the same questions that Nina's mom did and Again, Dr. Mikhail Toganov gave the same response that when he woke up um, this morning, Thursday morning of April 11, 2019, that he had not seen Nina and he had no idea where she went. So again, Detective Trevesky makes a note of this. But as he's making a note of Dr. Mikhail Toganov's statement, he sees some scratches on his face deep scratches along his earlobe and the side of his neck and the nape area. Detective Trevesky asks Dr. Togonoff, where did those scratches come from? He states that he and Nina had engaged in intercourse and as a result of some rough housing, um, Nina scratched him innocent enough. But Detective Trevesky noted that the scratches were very very deep, almost to the point that they were almost flesh-opening. Because he was now becoming concerned that the good doctor could be responsible for something much more than just a date night gone wrong, he asked if he could have his forensic team come to the hospital, since Dr. Um, Togonoff had to get to the general hospital to to perform surgery, that if his team could come to the hospital and collect the sample of the scratches, do like a sort of DNA swabbing, Uh, With reluctance, Mikhail agreed and stated that that would be fine. Detective Treveski then goes to Nina's apartment, and this is located, again, over in the Eastern Kursk area. Again, slightly rural, it's about five miles from certain parts of town, certain things like the gas station or even a good little nightlife. And it was a typical five-mile drive or so to or from Nina's place, especially if she wanted to go out and have a good time just like she did that night with her partner that Wednesday night, to be exact. <clears throat> so, he goes into her apartment with his forensic team and they're investigating. Initially, Nina's apartment looked spotless. Her mother, Irina, and her father, Holden, he, they all came there. And one of the things that they were concerned to was they wanted to see if their daughter was inside of the apartment, harmed, maybe in distress. Detective Trevesky encouraged him to stay outside. And again, as they were inspecting inside of Nina's apartment, what looked to be like a clean place, cause Nina definitely was described as a neat freak. That was kind of her nickname, um, as her ex-boyfriend um, Jonathan um, fondly mentions. And as they're investigating, they did start to see specks of blood and more blood, especially in Nina's bedroom. So immediately they realized that this was a crime scene. Fingerprints are taken, swabs. And they realized that on Nina's bed, that there's a pillow and there's a pillow with makeup on it. And typically Nina, again, who's known as a neat freak who would, after a night out, would remove her makeup. Detective Trevesky and then forensics team felt that this was something worth collecting. Could this pillow be a potential murder weapon? They weren't sure but they decided to collect the evidence anyway. As they're going through they continue to realize that there's much more evidence even within Nina's kitchen. They look inside of the garbage disposal and they discover pieces of human flesh and they weren't sure exactly whose flesh it was and so they had to collect it and take it in for forensics. As they're doing that Detective Trevesky is preparing himself to having to potentially give Holden and Arena devastating news that they weren't prepared for. A Thursday that was supposed to be a day of celebration. They're celebrating with their daughter the congratulatory news of her receiving her cosmetology cosmetology degree after years of adversity and hardships and love and acceptance to all be snuffed out just two days after receiving her certificate blindsided her family. He didn't quite want to go there yet, even though her mother was already becoming that motherly instinct that her daughter was no longer here. But she didn't want to go there just yet. As they're standing outside, other members of Nina's family arrive. Her brother, two of her brother's exact, as well as her younger sister, they all huddle together, the Sergateskia family clinging to figuring out exactly where is Nina and what happened and if so did Mikhail have anything to do with it the forensics team goes back up to the hospital at this point Mikhail has now finished his surgery they swipe his neck as well as the bottom of his earlobe and take it in for DNA collection along with the pillow and other things as well as the flesh inside of the garbage disposal all of these things are going on, and then Detective Trevesky encourages the Sergotavia to please come down to the Kurs police department. They all get down there, and he tells Irina and Holden that they've made a discovery of some blood. He doesn't mention the flesh, as he knows that that's too graphic and it could cause them to go into shock. He just mentions that there's blood and asked about the makeup on Nina's pillow asking if she was someone who would keep makeup on her face or if she was someone who would remove it. Irina insisted that her daughter would always remove the makeup from her face confirming Detective Treveski's suspicions and again confirming that the forensics team needed to collect that pillow. Then as the other forensics team is collecting Dr. Mikhail Toganov's DNA Detective Trevesky encourages Sabel um, Homaski to come in and also bring in um, Dr. Mikhail Toganov into the Curse Police Department. So now what we're having is Nina's family in one interrogation room with Detective Treveski and now Dr. Mikhail Toganov has been brought down after his surgery has been completed to be interviewed by Detel- Detective Cybele Inoskovy. The interview seems to go a little well she kind of has this good cop vibe and detective Nikolai Trevesky has more of like a kind of tough harsher tone and as he has the circuitavius just kind of wait in the interrogation room of course he you know there's the potentiality of having to also go to the morgue um and and even identify some remains um some some certain body parts that were still there um that were being um started to be collected as he was getting information um, from his forensics team, who were still inside of the apartment. He had stepped outside before entering the other interrogation room to meet with Detective Nganoski and received news that um, Nina's head had been discovered attached to her spine. It was confirmed that Nina Sarkotyskia had met a hateful homicide. That this Dr. Dahmer, who will mention that he was a huge fan of Jeffrey Dahmer, the American serial killer who targeted black and um, brown cisgendered queer men back in the late 80s and early 90s, that this good doctor was inspired by Jeffrey Dahmer, that he always wanted to live out this sort of Dahmer dynasty, this fantasy of sorts. And when... He discovered Nina's gender identity. This was the ultimate opportunity. So, Detective Treveski goes in there and he hammers in hard as the bad cop with all of the evidence. Again, they have not made the Sargatesky as aware of what's going on. There is going to be a liaison that comes in to provide um, a sort of family guidance on kind of on these situations of dismemberment, disembowelment, decapitation. Because this is such a heinous case um, of what the good doctor did, it required a little bit more of a special attention, more than what Detective Trevesky could provide. And so a liaison was being notified to come in as they were going to have to let the Surgitesky know that their daughter and sister would no longer be returning. They're hammering him for exactly what happened in the other interrog- interrogation room being faced with all of the evidence, and he's a doctor, he knows the science, he knows the DNA is gonna be what it is. He freely confesses that he murdered his girlfriend. He stated that, as I stated earlier, that the two had came back from a night out on that Wednesday, April 10th of 2018. They had came back from the pub, driven five miles back to Nina's flat in Kursk, Russia. The two had a nightcap, some gin, and some rum some Irish, excuse me, Russian whiskey, and began to engage in a passionate night of lovemaking. He had discovered that Nina was post-operative. Being a doctor, he was able to notice the sutures and the healing marks, commented. Nina opened up a little bit more about her post-operative journey. He stated as she was telling him what was going on regarding her gender journey and her post-operative healthcare, he took the pillow and smothered her She wasn't dead, but she was unconscious. He then throws the pillow off of the bed and then begins to strangle her. That is when she loses her life. Now, left with Nina's body on her bed, he realizes that he can now enact his fantasy. Again, that Dahmer fantasy. He grabs some knives out of the kitchen, goes back and begins to dismember Nina. As he dismembers Nina, he realizes that he has a hunger, a hunger for flesh. Again, one thing about the American serial killer, Jeffrey Dahmer, he was known to be a cannibal. And this is someone who, after committing a murder, will typically decide to eat their victim as a sort of token and memento. Well, Dr. Mikhail Toganov decided that he wanted a token and memento, and he decided as he was dismembering his girlfriend of six months to then cook her flesh in her own kitchen using her own pots and pans. He cooks her, he uses salt to add a little flavor as he would state to Detective Trevesky, and then whatever he decided not to consume, he put inside of the garbage disposal that human flesh that they collected earlier, that Thursday, April 11th. All of this started to make sense, and it was official that the good doctor, Dr. Mikhail Toganov, had committed a hateful homicide. This called me Dr. Dahmer, all because his girlfriend, who had so bravely and boldly decided to live her truth and be proud in herself and undergo gender-affirming surgery, And she was ready to share that, share that part of herself with her partner, someone she thought she could trust. And unfortunately, he took that news and catalyzed it as his motivation to live out a fantasy of murder, dismemberment, and cannibalism. And of course, as all this is going on, there's going to be a liaison notified But I want to take a moment, my audience, and hear from another incredible community member out there in Russia. She had a dual experience, one in Russia, specifically the city of Kyiv, and then also in this country of Ukraine. Her name is Zee Famalu, and you're going to hear about just the war that's going on over there, as we know, between Russia and Ukraine, and her own current experience.
3: Sometimes we think it's just all a dream that we stuck inside some kind of a video game because you just, uh, you live uh, in a quiet society and then you hear bombings and then you wake up to the sound of bombings. I don't want to go outside. I'm literally scared for my life. All my friends left the city. My neighbors left my floor and I think my building. This is not a very rainbow friendly place. So, lives for trans people are very bleak here. gender in your passport, they will not uh, let you go abroad. They will not uh, uh, let you through. A word within a word, truly, truly. Every noise from outside is a warning sign. It was hell living as a trans person in Kiev, in Ukraine. We feel invisible, truly, like we're not people, like we're not human. It's truly how we feel.
0: And what you can hear my audience is Zee Famalu, again, this incredible, beautiful 30-year-old trans-Russian-European woman living over there, struggling to survive in this war-torn times. This was from CBS News back on March 1st of 2022, reaching over 20,000 views. If there's anything that you can do to support, please do so. Again, Zee Famalu sharing her story. Now, as we go back to the Hateful Homicide of Nina Sergutaiskia, Detective Trovesky notified Tatiana Krzykolke to notify the Sergutavia family of the Hateful Homicide. He also notes that he's going to be in there in just a moment to also let her father know specific, specifically first. Again, this is Russia, um, so it's a little bit more masculine in society. So he's going to let her father know the heinous and hateful details first and then of, It would be up to him to notify Irina, her mom. So Tatiana goes in and she lets them know that Nina has passed away. Holden and Irina are devastated. Her brothers, her sister, all of them are completely blindsided. The family was supposed to get together this Thursday to celebrate the good news that Nina had just graduated from cosmetology school. This family celebration now turned to a family of grieving. The life of this beautiful 25-year-old trans-Eastern Eastern European woman who was just trying to live her life, a best life, a better life than she had. Well, Detective Trevesky enters the interrogation room where the Serkiteiskias are now processing the fact that Nina's deceased, but then also learning the fact that her partner, a man that they had met and approved, had committed this hateful homicide. Detective Travesky asks Mr. Sergoteskia if he would step outside. He agrees. The two speak and he notifies him that his daughter had been met not only with just a murder, but she had also been dismembered and also eaten. Mr. Sergoteskia is completely devastated, but he keeps his composure. Detective Trevesky notifies him that if he wants to let Irina know, it's up to him. He agrees he will let his wife know, as that she would not have it any other way, quote-unquote. Nina, fun fact, was actually named after her mom, Irina, Nina Sarskateskia. She loved her mother very much so that she decided to take her mother's middle name as her first name born in 1994 to Holden and Irina Nina Sertkateskia. Nina was the third of fourth children. Her older brothers Hans and Manu were incredibly proud of their sister and her younger sister Kintia excuse me Katia was very fond of her as well. They would describe each other as sisters who were closer than ever. Nina's aunt, Mohufia, also discussed the fact that she was very fond of her niece. This is Irina's sister. They talked about outings where Nina and Katia and their mom and their aunt would all go out and have like a girl's day out and they would love to do like little brunches. Even though Nina had a supportive and loving family, she did go through rough times. Coming out as a trans youth, I know that all too well, coming out as a trans youth can be very tough, especially in an Eastern European country. And Kursk, Russia was no exception. She was met with adversity in middle school and high school. Nina admitted that oftentimes she would have to appear as male just to appease her teachers. Her parents, who were always supportive of her journey, but wanted to keep her safe, urged her to just hold on and try to present as male as possible, as masculine as possible for her own safety. And Nina complied for a few years, but again, around 2010, just a few years, nine years to be exact, before her hateful homicide she was determined to just be in her truth. And for the next nine years, as a youth going all the way into her early 20s, she was thriving. She overcame that adversity in middle school and high school. And in her early 20s, she had struggled a little bit with figuring out what she wanted to do. She had worked as a hostess at a bar and she had also loved um, doing makeup and and that was one of the things that she was known for as well was her incredible makeup skills and also the love of hair. She wasn't sure if she wanted to make that into a profession. She even thought about going to law school. She talked about that as she was a member of the debate team in her high school and when she graduated as the member of class of 2012, she was proud of her journey as a trans youth and into a trans woman. She had dated on and off. She dated a guy, an American sister male, age 30, by the name of Jonathan. The two had met, he moved over to Russia to pursue a career in law, and that's how they connected. And we'll hear from him in a little bit in his love story with Nina. Though it was short lived, the two stayed closest friends. Nina then would get into a relationship in October of 2018, just six months before a hateful homicide that with Dr. Mikhail Toganoff. The two had met on a dating app, and Nina, um, initially on her dating app profile, did not disclose that she was trans, but she did disclose to Dr. Mikhail Toganov. Her father, Holden, said that when Nina brought him home to introduce the family, that they had talked about if Dr. Mikhail Toganov knew her gender identity, and Nina insisted that he did. Her father also mentioned, as they were all processing this news as well, that You know, he too actually spoke with Dr. Mikhail Togonoff and regarding his daughter's gender identity and was wanting to be confirmed that the good doctor knew the news. He said he knew and he was fine with it and loved his daughter regardless. So this idea of this, as we know all too well, trans panic defense was beginning to become insulting. The motivation for the hateful homicide for Nina, according to her partner, was the fact that she did not disclose that she was post-operative. Again, post-operative means that this is an individual who has undergone gender-affirming surgery. There are many types of gender-affirming surgeries in the trans community. community. But specifically for a trans-identified woman, she would undergo vaginoplasty. This is when multiple modes, you can either go through the penile inversion, or you can also go through the colonic route. Well, Nina went through the colonic route, and Dr. McCall, who had also had a specialty in trans surgeries, knew this nina who had admittedly to her mother arena that she wasn't ready to engage in sex as she was saving herself for her person quote unquote and at this point six months in by april of 2018, the two had spent the christmas holidays of 2018 together new years of 2019 even um, went to ireland for saint patrick's day before returning back she felt that Dr. Mikhail Togonoff was her person and she was ready to be with him completely. And that's exactly what was happening on the night of Wednesday, April 10th of 2019 when the two had came back from a night of dancing and celebrating her recent cosmetology certificate when all of a sudden, in the middle of making love, he snaps, smothers her to a point of unconsciousness, strangles her with his bare hands, takes those bare hands and goes to her kitchen, grabs some butchery utensils, uses shock force trauma, and then not only dismember her, disembowel her, but then he also eats her and says he did this because he loves Jeffrey Dahmer. As we continue to go through this case, my audience, I want to take a moment and also give you an idea of what some other community members in Russia go through, especially our trans community, of all the different identities and expressions. As you can hear in the interview from Z, she talked about that how trans folks couldn't even travel outside of the Eastern European countries, especially if their license or passports did have mail assigned at birth. One of the things that was mentioned as well was that they if you wanted to have your gender marker changed in Russia, in the Ukraine, that you must undergo extensive psychiatric therapy. It's a little bit more lenient here in the United States, typically at least six months of therapy and then you can get those legal documents changed. But in the continent of Russia, as well as the country, we have realized that there is a lot more work to be done even all the way down to the community having access to drive.
2: Gender people have been banned from driving in Russia, according to a new legal amendment signed by Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev in December, the Associated Press reports. The regulations, dated December 29th, affect people deemed to have sexual disorders, including fetishists, voyeurs, exhibitionists, and transvestites. They've been criticized by rights activists, who see them as unconstitutional and likely to intensify an already hostile climate for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender communities in Russia. Maria Best, a transgender woman who lives in Moscow, says she will continue driving, even though she'll be violating the law. I will show with my example
3: that this resolution is a total violation of human rights. I have never been under psychoneurological supervision. There were no mental
2: deviations registered. I am a capable human being." The new regulations list numerous medical conditions that make someone ineligible for a driver's license, such as serious visual impairment or paralysis, and also includes mental and behavioral disorders as defined by the World Health Organization. The resolution does not claim WHO endorsement for the new driving restrictions. The World Health Organization's classification of mental and behavioral disorders includes gender identity disorders such as transsexualism and disorders of sexual preference, including fetishism and voyeurism. The organization is currently revising its international classification of diseases. And according to its website, the revised version is due in 2017.
0: So as you can hear my audience, this is the trauma and drama that our community is facing over in Russia. They need our support now more than ever. They're ineligible to even seek safety. You could hear Z, plea for support over in Kyiv, Ukraine. You can see that the community isn't even able to leave the country by flying out because their gender markers do not reflect their gender identities. They can't even drive to even get to the airport and then gonna be denied. These are the things that are impacting our trans community members. And if we can do our parts by just raising awareness, sharing this episode, then we're doing something i also want to take a moment and hear from of course i incredible um show has been a phenomenon rupaul's drag race i love rupaul and ross matthews they're definitely dear near to me And um, one of their incredible contestants at the time, back in 2017, Peppermint, um, talks about her anti-LGBT experience. You may have seen Peppermint on the hit TLC show, I Am Jazz, which talks about the life of Jazz Jennings an incredible trans youth and her journey into adulthood. Peppermint has been featured on there and is actually a good friend of Jazz Jennings' brother, Xander Jennings. So she talked about her own experience and then Um, fellow contestant Sasha Velour, who is of Russian ancestry, reflects on her own experience of not being able to be herself while living in Russia. Let's take a listen.
1: And then everybody laughs and I look around and just start like laughing to blend in.
5: (laughs) That was my experience when I first, um, lived in Russia. Humor in another language is so challenging. How long did you live there? I lived there for, like, two and a half years altogether. Oh my god. I got stuck in Moscow. I was presenting female. (sighs) And oh, my ID God. does not match. And I was in Moscow airport for a connection, I think, I was like 30 it? minutes. This was eight months ago. Oh, my God. And, and, and so we land, and we're supposed to go to the little transfer desk or whatever. And the woman, she didn't speak any English. Um, and she just kept looking at my ID and looking at me. And it was clear that she was disagreeing with the fact that my ID looked male and I look female. Well, it's illegal and, in Russia. OK, so that's what it was. So she detained me. Oh, um, that's, and that's they, really it was, terrifying. I was terrified to the point where I had to snatch my own wig off my head in the line with all oh these my people. my Just to prove to her that I'm, this is me, and please let me through it. It was so humiliating. It's really a tragedy. There's a lot of gender fear in Russia. Yeah. I feel for her. When I was living in Russia, I had to disguise myself. I couldn't be Sasha Velour. I had to think carefully about what clothes I was wearing, how I moved my body. Queer people in Russia are living in an oppressive system. I just have to keep in mind that it doesn't take away my womanhood. Amen. A woman.
0: And as you could hear, you know, and Peppermint to this day, um, interesting. And, you know, of course, when she was on RuPaul's Drag Race, um, she was competing um, for a drag competition. But since then, Peppermint boldly and proudly has continued to identify as a trans woman. And as you can hear, Sasha Velour add to that, that it is a very oppressive society. And even she had to um, present male. And again, that was the same concern that Nina's parents had for her when she first came out as a trans youth and that was one of the reasons why they encouraged her to still be masculine expressive in russia because of the oppressive society and for her safety and of course my audience as we go back into the case tatiana is sitting down with arena Holden comes back into the interrogation room he asks to be left alone with his wife he sits her down and he shares the hateful news, the horrific news that their daughter's partner bestowed upon their daughter, their third or fourth child. He told Irina that Nina was strangled, that she was dismembered and ultimately cannibalized. Irina couldn't bear anymore, shocked by the fact that her daughter was abruptly murdered and now this news, she fainted and was rushed to the hospital. She ultimately was okay and was released the next day on Friday, April 12th of 2018. And then of course the liaison, Tatiana Inoscone came and provided more comfort and support. The family was left to identify what was left of Nina in the morgue in the city of Kursk. Her parents go and was left with a gruesome sight, my audience, that of only Nina's head attached to her spine. Shocked, horrified, speechless, they shook their heads stating that this was their child who they had just saw at a celebratory party when she walked across that stage proudly in that cosmetology line for receiving her degree in hair and makeup aspiring law student who had undergone gender affirming surgery in 2016 just two and a half years before her hateful homicide. Now she was left in this way. I want to take a moment in my audience and hear from Nina's former partner Jonathan. He talks about the love that they shared but he also really specifically gets more into just life with trans women in general, he really generalizes it. But I think you get an idea of just his whole approach. Let's take a listen.
1: Point where like, it, it's not tangible to me. Uh, and like, I always try to like, bring any struggle into my speeches, but like, I don't know anyone stronger than those in the trans community, if you ask me. Like a gay man and like a lesbian, in this day and age, it's way more accepting. But like, for someone who's trans, it's, there's it's like we're in the 90s of like you know we're people are not aware and not understanding of it they really aren't like people are very 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 oblivious especially when it comes to dating as well
0: what like for you do you feel like that you would be open to dating a trans woman like openly and publicly
1: oh i have 100 percent, i have
0: and what has that experience been like for you
1: for me, it's funny because I sep- I can, I feel like I'm above other people because I'm like I've already – I don't have the insecurities of – like there's not much more I could go through of pain-wise. So for me, it's like I have a confidence that mm. is above others because I'm like life's fucking short, motherfuckers. Like if that's what you – are into your attitude, whatever it is, like, then you need to do what you need to do to make yourself happy. And, like, you can't look on your peripheral of, well, oh, what is this person going to think? What's that person going to think? Because when you are trying, like, we think, when, we, when, when people lie to people, mm. they're lying because they don't want you to not like them. But we don't want, you know, if I lie to you, I'm lying to you because I don't want you to not like me what we don't realize is that that lie in that instance, you may not like me, but like, it's going to come out eventually. So like the truth and all of it is that like, you need to say how you feel and what you like and not worry about being liked. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of lies stem from. Like, if I cheated on you, I'm worried that you're going to, you're going to be mad at me versus just telling the truth and because the truth of the matter is that like it's reverse psychology like if I'm like yeah I cheated that's going to upset you versus if I didn't cheat no I'm lying well I'm afraid you're not going to like me because you're going to get mad at me mm-hmm. but like one is m- way more <clears throat> um catastrophic if you ask me like you just so f- that's why like you know when you've gone through tragedy and seen it firsthand, like you need to, I just feel like sometimes that's my strength because I'm able to compartmentalize nonsense.
4: And
0: as you can hear my audience, that tragedy that he was mentioning was the tragedy of Nina's hateful homicide. He was completely devastated when Nina's younger sister Katia called him um, from Moscow and informed him that his former girlfriend was no longer here. And you could hear him talk about his own willingness to just be confident and be proud. And he encourages others to do the same. And you could hear how he just was very proud of who he is and also proud of the love he has for Nina. Oh, my audience, Dr. Mikhail Tokunov was ultimately charged and arrested and charged with the hateful homicide of Nina Sargateskia. Facing a first-degree murder charge, he is scheduled to go to court in the beginning of 2023. I'm going to keep you all updated on the latest news. The Sargateskias have since provided a memorial fund in Nina's name. And this memorial fund is in the hopes of being able to give community members who need gender affirming surgeries financial access. So they're still doing incredible work in Nina's name. As we prepare to conclude this case, my audience, I wanted to have you hear from my incredible sister from another Mr. Raven Noah. She poses two questions, how and why? I want you all to hear her own take on the hateful homicide of Nina Circateskia. This call me Dr. Dahmer, this doctor who was educated and successful and was well-liked and everyone was shocked, including his own parents, never saw this coming. Let's hear her own take regarding the hateful homicide.
6: He was about the robber. How do we not know? I've never heard of a man with this world is crazy with so many crazy people in it. I don't, I, I'm not even going to speculate anything. But the one thing I can say is this beautiful woman is murdered. You got rid of the evidence. her side of the story is gone. Me, hell. Your name should be straight from hell. You're 27 years old. And you killed her. We need to hear her side of the story, but you made sure we won't hear that. You could have been robbing her. She could have fought back. It was her house. It's not unknown to us for being robbed by people coming to our house. She could have fought you back. And you robbed of her life. 25 years old. I always tell anybody if you are had this surgery this is the one thing I always be concerned about right here, this part let's sit in this part for a second and think about this this part this part this is the part that I'm afraid of A man knowing and kill me, or a man not knowing and kill me. And when I see a man knowing, he know what he did after he had sex. That all of a sudden now he feels disgusted. He's angry with me because he feels as so I used my body to lure you in because society got in his head, and now he's standing in front of me wanting to kill me off of something society done planted in his head. Or I had the surgery. I'm living my life. Hell. I stopped telling people I was trans. And someone finds out and come and kill me. It is a very thin line when you are transitioning. It is a very thin line when dealing with a man whose mind is not always stable and strong. The one thing I want my 2 spirit sisters to understand, men have been killing women for years. You're now stepping into womanhood, and to step into womanhood, that means you're going down. You're not going up. You have to go down a level. Now the bad part about our life is now we see all the hell since women have been going through for years. For years they've been murdered. For years they've been killed. And now we're sitting there. It's about now we're taking a turn. And now we're being murdered. And we're being killed. We're like, we're well, killing because are They've been killing women for years. Any excuse? This girl was only 25 years old. We need to ask her, sis, what happened? he discovered she was born a male. How would he know? How would he know? After having sex, if the reports are accurate, if the reports are accurate, it states after Having sex? He cooked body parts of Nina in her own home oven. Confessing the murder, dismembering, and cooking trans women, he did it after discovering she was trans. He cooked her. What happened? The, medics was, um, the medic was on that night out with um, Nina before being invited up to her flat, but as the pair had sex. they had sex. See, that's the part I'm talking about. They had it already. And see, that's the part, that middle part, right? That's the great area. So after you had sex, you could have been about to rob her. And she fought him back. And then all of a sudden, here comes this excuse. Then he realized she was trans and had undergone gender reassignment, gender affirming surgery. He immediately strangled her in her bed and then had to hide the body. Now, remember, Keyword here already had sex. You already didn't have the sex. He immediately strangled her in a bed. Then tried to hide the body and dismember her courts. To me, my personal opinion, this was a murder. This was a murder. You know exactly what he was doing. Police detain and question Mihel after Nina's family reported her missing. Now let me ask y'all something: How many people you know murdered somebody and then take out time? I'ma give me some salt. I'm gonna, um, I'm using I'm using he's using salt to get rid of the smell. How many people you know try to murder you? Go in your house and put salt down after murdering you.
0: And my audience, I want you to respond to that on our Spotify and Apple accounts. Again, to my sister Nina Sergateskia, born 1994 and resting on since April 10th of 2019, we remember you yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever, and always. Thank you, my audience, so much for tuning in to season four, episode six of A Hateful Homicide. My name is Mallory Jenna Robinson, your host. You can follow us on Instagram at A Hateful Homicide. You can follow me at Mallory Jenna 90 Please take a look and look at our website at ahatefulhomicide.net. And please use the hashtags true crime, trans awareness, say her name, and Russia. Again, my sister Nina, rest on. And please, my audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you and bye-bye.